You see, that ancient pastor knew that Jesus, the Lamb, is coming. And that's why he could tell David, this, this murderous and adulterous man, you are forgiven. Your sins are covered. That's why Nathan could say it to David without hesitation. That's why I can say it to you without hesitation. You are forgiven. That's what this modern pastor knows too. And that's why I know that you need to hear it. You are forgiven. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. Throughout this sermon series, we've been seeing the ways that God sends people into your life to minister to you. And last week we talked about Jonathan, this true friend that God gave to David for his life. Today, we're going to talk another person that, put, that God put into David's life, and it was a person that was put into the pastoral role for him. And in a lot of ways, the pastoral role may be the most uncomfortable one of all, but it is so important for us to think about. I want us to think about how important it really is and to kind of get us started thinking in this way. I'm going to give us a couple stories to think about. You can think about this. You know, I read a story about this guy who, as a money-making scheme, he went around buying internet domain names. And he would do it basically randomly. He would just try and get lucky and buy a domain name that somebody someday would hopefully pay them a ton of money for. But one day he noticed that there was going to be a new pope in the Catholic Church and he saw an opportunity for himself. And so he went out and he went and bought all of the possible domain names for the new possible popes. And he got it right. And, of course, the Roman Catholic Church, they wanted to buy that domain name from him, and they were willing to pay a lot of money to get it from him. But the guy responded to the church, and, and he said to him, No, you keep your money. What I want in exchange for this domain name is pardon. I want complete, no-strings-attached pardon. And I want it specifically for the week of, no, I, I don't know the exact week, but he wanted it for the exact week of August 22nd, 1973. That's, that's all he wanted. All he wanted was that pardon from that particular event, from that particular moment in his life. Now, we could certainly talk about the theology behind that. That would be a worthy discussion. But I want to ask you today, instead of doing that, do you have a week like that in your life? Or do you have a season like that? Do you have a day like that in your life? 
I'm gonna suggest to you that even if you don't have a full-blown scandal like that haunting you in your closet, I'm gonna suggest that you still do probably have the sense that you need to be covered from something. That you need to be pardoned from something, that you need something in your life to be covered up. You know, I think this is why when when you're little and you're a little kid, a lot of your nightmares have to do with you being uncovered in front of a lot of people. Why is that? We all have this sense that we need to be covered up. In today's text that we're about to read, we're going to see that David had that sense. He tried to cover up his adultery and he covered it up with murder. And he tried to cover that up. And he thought he got away with it. Until God sent David, his pastor. That's where we're going to jump in today in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're at the end of the chapter leading into chapter 12. We'll start with 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 26. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it. And it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. 
this is God's word. I think it's the lamb that went missing in this story that gets me the most. It's the lamb. And you might think I'm, I'm bonkers for thinking this because, I mean, there was adultery here. There was adultery on the part of the king, and the king tried to cover up the adultery, and he committed murder to do it. You know, you might be thinking, how can you be more concerned about a hypothetical lamb than you are with a very real dead body in the ground? But it is. It's, it's the lamb that gets me here. The hypothetical storybook lamb. When I say that, you should know I'm not trying to minimize or deny the gravity of adultery and murder, but I just think that there's a greater human truth for us to see through this hypothetical lamb. Because what we have in this story is an ancient version of someone who has bought their own press. Now that's what's happening here, really. This is basically an episode straight out of the show that was popular quite a little, a few years ago, I guess, the, the show House of Cards. It's, it's that sick. That's what we have going on here. You have a king the king of God's people. And what he has done is he has twisted murder and adultery and he has made it to look as though this is a win. This is a boon for his glorious kingly administration. David thinks he has buttoned this thing up. He thinks that the whole thing has been covered and no one will ever know the truth. No, if you were to go and, and read the national headlines from that day, I, I kind of imagine that it would say something like this. King cares for widow and child of war hero. That's what the narrative was. David seems to be getting a political win from this. This is what the text says, that after the day of mourning, so David did all the right things. He waited until after the day of mourning. After the day of mourning, David brought her into his house. You can imagine the people saying, how caring, David, how loving of a king you are, David, to take care of the widow of a man who died in battle. So David thinks it's over. David is getting the win. That's what you can think. But there was one being in the universe who wasn't done with it yet. One being in the universe who still cared about the scandal, and it was God. God was coming for David. You might 
make a guess at how that might look. I mean, you've got this murderer, an adulterer, and you are told in the Bible that God is displeased with him. You might be thinking that God is about to send something like a lightning bolt or a plague to get back at David. That, that's not what God does here. He doesn't send vengeance. He doesn't send something. God sends someone. These are the next words of the story. This is what the text says. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord sent David a pastor. And this pastor was very pastoral with David. He tells the story of a lamb. And, and today, you know, we, we love our pets. We welcome them into the family. I wonder if this lamb had a better life than most pets today. This lamb, it grew up with the family. It lived with the family. It ate with the family. It drank out of the dad's cup and slept in the dad's arm. Until some rich guy took the lamb and made it into lamb chops for dinner. It was the case of the lamb that went missing. And the worst part about this story is the fact that the story exists at all. The fact that David had gone so far in his cover-up of his crimes that he had, been, he had even covered up the sin in his own mind. He couldn't see the truth anymore. You know how that is, right? We're all really good at seeing somebody else's scandals. You know what we're terrible at? Seeing our own. That's what we're bad at. And, and, and Nathan knows that. And, and God knows that. And so David is shown something about himself in a story about someone else. So David can see the wrongness of it. And when David hears the story about how someone, some rich man, had unjustly taken something innocent and dear out of the arms of another poor man, David erupts. In rage. <clears throat> Did you notice how angry he got? He says, this man needs to die. He doesn't deserve to live. He sees that the man's issues so clearly that he says that the man needs to repay the poor man. But he needs to repay him four times what the lamb was worth. <clears throat> See, maybe that's the scariest human truth of all that were revealed in this story, that reveals about us that we are self-deceived about who we truly are and about what we've truly done. And if you're willing to, to buy that truth about yourself, then you got to ask yourself some questions. What am I not seeing what part of the narrative that I tell myself about my life have I changed and covered up? What am I self-deceived about? 
You know, there could be a few things that maybe you've got a, an ex and that relationship ended and, and, and the narrative about that relationship is that everything was the, the other person's fault. And there's no reflection about the stuff that you contributed to the breakup. Or, or maybe another example, you're, you're sitting with your boss having, having a drink after a long week and, and you slip into this little bit of gossip. And you tell your, your, co- your boss about this gossip about a co-worker and you come into work the next week and, and, and you, lo- you realize your co-worker lost a job. And you try and rationalize and you try and cope and you try and change the narratives and you, and you maybe think maybe they deserved it. Maybe they deserved to get fired. And, and, and really, if I hadn't told the boss about it, then, that, then somebody else would have. Those are just a couple examples of how we can't see, we don't see the truth about ourselves. It's, it's really true. We can't handle the truth. And so we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves stories and in, in our internal narratives, we aren't calling sin, sin most of the time. We call our sin errors, we call them mistakes, we call them failures, we call them learning life lessons. All our relationships are good, our thought processes are healthy, all of our habits are good ones. And so when Nathan comes to David, he has to spell it out for David and tell him, you are the man in the story. That's what's happening right now, too. I am a pastor right now, albeit far away at the moment. I'm telling you, you have sinned. Your narrative is not as clean as you make it out to be. You have hurt people. You have stolen from people. You have sinned against people. And God is not okay with it. You have sinned against the Lord. That's what we have here. It's a condemnation of the sin that David had covered up in himself. And David finally sees it and he's wrecked about it. He immediately confesses the sin that he had sinned against the Lord. Do you know what the next words are? Nathan replied. I tell you what, there is a world of grace in those two little words. Nathan replied. David's pastor replied. As David's truth rushed in at him, he was with his pastor. And that's not a coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence for David. It's not a coincidence for you either. It's all arranged. 
God knows this about ourselves because we, he knows this about us, that if there's one thing about humanity to know, it's this, that, that we tend to take one deception, one lie in ourselves and replace it with another. So God knows this about ourselves. He knows that the moment that we become undeceived about the fact that we have a huge amount of sin is the same second that we become deceived again. We become deceived about God. And a new truth rushes in and you start thinking this. I have so much sin that I can never be forgiven. God could never accept me. See, there's only one truth that we're more blind to than the truth about ourselves. The only thing we're more blind to than our own sin is the faithfulness of God. We're so blind to his love sometimes. And so that's why we're looking at this series. We're looking at the people that God puts into our lives to remind us of his love. That's why God so often reveals your truth about your sin in the presence of your pastor. Like he did with Nathan. So that you can hear through your pastor, through his vocal cords, that you are forgiven. That you don't have to do the covering up of your sin. That he is going to cover up your sin for you with his blood on the cross. He wants you to trust you. Trust him with your sin. That's what God wants for you so that you don't have to sit in your sin. So that you can be forgiven immediately. No, you never... You never have to wonder if your truth is too much for God. Your pastor, as as imperfect as he is, I have been called by the Holy Spirit to say this to you. Jesus has taken away your sin. The things that need to be covered in your life, they are covered. The Lord has covered them for you. And and the scandals that need to be buttoned up in your life, Christ buttoned them up for you. So that the things that in your life that feel like can never be forgiven, you can know that they are forgiven. You need to know that. You need to hear that. You need to be reminded of that. See, that's why I started in with this sermon the way that I did today. I I did that on purpose. I started out by talking about the lamb in the story. The lamb is the one that gets me. I started there because I didn't want to end this sermon talking about a metaphorical lamb. A lamb that went missing, a lamb that ended up as lamb chops. I wanted to end this sermon talking about the lamb. A lamb that was from God's house. 
a lamb that was family to God. A lamb that slept in God's arms in eternity. A lamb who God loves. A lamb that didn't just become lamb chops for somebody's meal, but a lamb who was placed on a cross to pay for sin. That's the lamb I'm talking about. You see, that ancient pastor knew that Jesus, the lamb, was coming. And that's why he could tell David, this, this murderous and adulterous man, you are forgiven. Your sins are covered. That's why Nathan could say it to David without hesitation. That's why I can say it to you without hesitation. You are forgiven. That's what this modern pastor knows too. And that's why I know that you need to hear it. You are forgiven. And you know that every single one of your scandals, big and small, are totally and completely covered up forever. Because of the Lamb. Amen.